Today's show is brought to you by Aliquot Pro. Aliquot Pro has so many neat features, and one of the features that I think is just fantastic is the smart scan feature. You can scan a QR code which will immediately take you to a service report or you can view a controller page. By placing a QR code on a testing station or controller, your customer can save time by doing the routine tests and tasks you are asking them to do and then logging them seamlessly into the same platform that you're putting your data in, making all of the data able to be searched and you can figure out if there are issues where to start finding solutions. This and so many more features are available on Aliquot Pro. You can find out more about Aliquot Pro by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash Aliquot. Welcome to Scaling Up, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. My name is Trace Blackmore, and I am your host for the Scaling Up H2O podcast. Nation, it's hard to believe that an entire year has almost gone by, just a few weeks left, and then we say hello to 2023. How in the world did that happen? It seems like just yesterday I was talking about best practices and things that you should be thinking about going into the new year. Well, the new year is now old and we're getting ready to bring another new year in and the time just always flies. Nation, you just heard from Aquaphoenix Scientific. They are one of the many sponsors that we have on this podcast. I just want to take a moment and give a shout out to our sponsors. Those are the people that help us pay the bills that allow us to continue bringing you this podcast. And hopefully it's a podcast that you can continue to learn while you're driving from account to account. Now, I've said this to sponsors. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but if anybody was ever wondering how we select sponsors for the podcast, I always make sure that they fit one or two criteria. The first one is it has to be a product that I have used before and I see the benefit in. The second one is if I haven't used the product, I see that it can change, make a water treater's life a little bit better in one way or another. If we can fit one of those criteria, then that allows a sponsor to come on the show. And again, I want to thank all the sponsors of the Scaling Up H2O podcast. And if you are thinking about if the Scaling Up H2O podcast is right for you to advertise what you do on the podcast, you can reach out to us or simply go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash sponsors, and you will have all the information you need to help make that decision. I look forward to speaking with you. And again, I just want to thank everybody that helps us bring this podcast to you week after week. Let's talk about some current events. I get a lot of people that thank me for telling them what's going on in the water treatment community. And they use the Scaling Up H2O podcast as their one-stop shop for everything that's going on in the water treatment industry. So a few things you might want to look into is January 20th through 23rd, BOMA's 2023 Water Business Meeting is taking place in Scottsdale, Arizona. 
So this is open to all BOMA members. BOMA stands for Building Owners and Managers Association. And it's an event that offers a chance to network, get involved, and participate in interactive discussions on emerging trends and best practices in commercial real estate when we're talking about water. I myself was very involved locally with BOMA. They were a great organization and still are a great organization. So if you're a BOMA member, and definitely if you're around the Scottsdale, Arizona area, you want to look into that. Another event you might want to look into is taking place January 23rd through 25th in Austin, Texas, and that's the Water for Texas 2023 Conference. This is where the conference tries to bring together all industry experts, innovators, influencers, and leaders to discuss water issues impacting us for years to come. They then take those discussions and they try to work solutions for that. So if this is something that you are interested in, go to our show notes page and we will have all that information for you. Also coming up February 20th through 23rd in Indianapolis, Indiana, is the Water and Wastewater Equipment Treatment and Transport Show. This is a premier event for municipalities, plumbers, portable water professionals, septic contractors, sewage contractors, wastewater professionals, and all people that touch water. So if this is something that sounds like you want more information about, again, that will be on our show notes page. And folks, I do want to bring your attention to the events section of the Scaling Up H2O webpage. Our team has done a great job of curating all of the things that I talk about on the air and putting them in one place so you don't have to search episode by episode. And you can make calendar events simply by clicking on our events section. So if the Water for Texas conference is something you want to go to, you can go to our events page. You can click on that. It will send you to all the sites you need to go to learn more about it, even register. And then from our site, you can put that on your calendar. We've got such a great team here at the Scaling Up H2O podcast staff. I just want to give a shout out to them for all they do to try to make it a little bit easier for you to keep up with all the information we have on the show. And folks, when I say all the information we have on the show, we just have so much content from guests, from things that we've done on shows that you can just devour this treasure trove of water treatment knowledge and business knowledge and all the different topics that we talk about. I think if you have not been on the website in a while, you would be very pleased with how easy it is and all the information that is up there. We're trying to make a water treater's life better, one water treater at a time, and we truly believe that by educating ourselves, we all get better, and as we get better individually, we make the water treatment industry better, one water treater at a time. Well, speaking of a water treater that is trying to make our industry better, one podcast listener at a time, here's James McDonald with a Thinking on Water. Welcome to Thinking on Water with James, the segment where we don't give you the answers, we give you the topics and questions for you to think about, drop by drop. Now let's get to it. In this week's episode, we're thinking about the heat exchanger fouling factor. What is a fouling factor? What does it tell about the efficiency of heat transfer across a heat exchanger? 
How is a fouling factor calculated? What assumptions do design engineers make about fouling factors when designing a new heat exchanger? And how might these assumptions impact the water flow rate? What can impact a fouling factor over time? Why is understanding fouling factors important? Take this week to think about and learn more about the heat exchange fouling factor. Be sure to follow hashtag TOW22 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O to share your thoughts on each week's Thinking on Water. I'm James McDonald, and I look forward to learning more from you. Thank you, James. And Scaling Up Nation, now it's time for our interview. My lab partner today is Adam Seitz of Capital Technologies. Adam, how the heck are you? I'm doing great today. How about you? You know, I was looking so forward to this interview. We had a mastermind call yesterday and we talked about it. And I, I just feel like you and I have done this before. I know you've been uh, a, like a guest. Um, what do we call that? You, you send in items to the podcast. Maybe a pinks and blues episode or two that I've, I've thrown some ideas out there, or kind of issues I was running into. And I want to thank you for that because we depend on all of those questions. You are one of the people that has really embraced that and allowed us to have a show. Uh, you were one of the people that we had on to the voicemail function. I can't think of the official word for it. And you asked your question. So we asked your question with you using your own voice. And then I think I spent an hour and 15 minutes talking about it. Yeah, maybe so. It was a good time. Uh <laughs> So, Adam, if you don't mind, the nation has heard you before on those questions, but let's go a little bit deeper into Adam Seitz. So, who is Adam Seitz? Can you introduce yourself to the Scaling Up Nation? Sure thing. I am uh, from the, the Pittsburgh area. I'm a father of five. I have kids ranging uh, 25, 23, 17, 12, and 8. I love being a dad slash stepdad to those guys. I guess I get mixed feedback from them on whether I'm doing a good job or not, but I, I think I'm doing pretty decent at it. I've also been married to my, my beautiful wife, Julie, for over a decade. Probably some mixed feedback from her as well. Um, <laughs> to be expected. You know, she's, she's really a, an important part of my life. Uh, I constantly learn things from her. Um, I know it's supposed to be about me, but I'll make it a little bit about her too. You know, she always has a different perspective on things and I de definitely cherish her, her opinion and, and different opinion when, when I run into that. So just give her a little bit of a shout out. Also uh, a son to some really great parents and um, a brother, a friend, uh, a leader. And I guess why I'm here is uh, I'm a water treater. Well, we're definitely going to talk about water treatment. But before we do, I know people from Pittsburgh have their own language. Can you key us in on some of the words that you all use in Pittsburgh that we have no idea what they mean? Well, I think... I think a lot of people might know about yins. Like I'm a big fan of yins. Some people say y'all or you guys or, you know, other things, but I like yins. And actually I think Pittsburgh people are generally referred to as yinzers. I guess inat also comes up as a, as a funny one that I, I like to go back on. And what does that mean? Inat, like, and that. But it's oh, just, you just put them together. Who's got yeah, time just, to say two you words? Just smash them together and, and make it its own word. So we went to a wedding in Pittsburgh, and apparently this is a tradition. I like the tradition, but I've never heard about it before. But there, instead of a cake, there's a cookie table. It's amazing. I've been a part of that. Um, I have an aunt that is a, a baker, 
not not as a profession, but like she loves to bake, and she's constructed some amazing cookie tables at at some family weddings that I've been to. We had the honor of going to Michelle Farmery, now Michelle Lund's wedding, and they had a cookie table, and and that does not sum it up. I think there were nine, there were actually three or four tables because they couldn't fit everything on one table, and I want to say there were 90 different varieties, and the best part is they had bags that you could take to-go cookies with you. It's expected to take them with you at the end. (laughs) We don't have that in the South. I think we need to get that started. We need to adopt it. So tell us about water treatment. So it's always interesting how people find themselves in the water treatment industry. One day they're not a water treater, the next day they are. What was your story? That is the case. I mean, you know, I've, so I've been with Capital Technologies for a little over 15 years. Right now I'm on my second generation owner. So, uh, you know, I can't say enough about how, you know, the opportunities provided to me by both Warren and Joel Yeckel. Um, they've been great guys to work for. But anyhow, like, you know, they brought me in as their, actually as their office manager. I'd bounced around to a couple different, I don't even know if I call them careers. You know, I was just kind of bouncing around jobs prior to finding my way to these guys. And um, I have an accounting degree. So I did some accounting work. I was a mechanic. I was a, uh, I ran some excavating equipment, a delivery driver, stonemason for a couple years. And then I was kind of looking to like get back to my accounting you know, that's what I went to school for. So I should probably use my degree. So they brought me in as their office manager. Even in the interview, we, they kind of like looked at the list of things that I'd done. And like, so you're going to be an accountant. We think we might make you a chemist before we're done with this too. And lo and behold, like eventually, like here I am, you know, playing chemist out there too. Anyways, I mean, I, for a few years, I, I did the office. Actually, it was just a few months. I, I did strictly office work. Uh, bookkeeping, accounts payable, receivable, order placement. And then we had a pipe pickling job in central Pennsylvania. And at that time, it was just, there's three of us, you know, there's three of us in the company. And they were like, all right, all hands on deck, grab some steel toes and a hard hat. We're, we're going to do this job. And I spent, spent a week out in the field doing this pipe pickling job. And um, that was really my first t- taste of field work. And uh, I loved it. And just ended up sticking with that. So, you know, for a couple of years after that, I, I I shared responsibility and juggling the office work, and then you know slowly picking up more and more service work and learning water treatment. And um, eventually, we grew to the point where I couldn't sustain doing both of those positions full time as I was. So uh, I just became a service guy, and we brought somebody else to help in the office, and I've kind of grown through that role since. There's so many people out there that would be great in our industry, but they just don't know about it. How did you find out about this industry? It was through a, a recruiter or a staffing agency, I guess. And, and uh, they, they picked me out just to do the office. Like I said, it, I wasn't looking for a water treater position. It was, I, was, I was the office guy. And um, I guess once I got there and was kind of learning about what this industry is about, and it seemed like you know what, I, I don't need to just stay in this office. I could probably be, su- be successful doing water treatment too. And I would definitely say you are a successful water treater. You're also a member of the Rising Tide Mastermind. Two years ago, you answered a call to action where we were starting a new group. Of course, your group seized the day. We didn't have a name when we were talking about it in the very beginning. 
and uh, you are one of the original members in that group. And it's just been fantastic to watch everybody in that group come together, support each other, grow together. Um, and, and I just, I just want to commend you for you're one of the people within that group that really rally everybody. And I have no doubt that that's what you do with your team as well. I think it's just part of your nature. Would you say that's right? Yeah, it sounds like an accurate, accurate description. Um, and, and thank you. Thank you for noticing. And the mastermind group really is it's such a good support group, you know, whether it's work related or, you know, we bring up personal issues, issues pretty regularly and, um, I know, I know I bring my personal issues into it and, and just a, such a good group to count on as, you know, they really have my back uh, and I know I have my back the same way too. So, or I have their back the same way. That's something that's always difficult for me to explain to people. People see that it's a mastermind about water treatment or people in the mastermind or in the water treatment industry. So all it is that we do is talk about water treatment problems. And that's not the case, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely not. I'd probably say it's 50-50. I mean, we definitely talk about water treatment issues and and things that we experience um, in in the industry. But, you know, it's it's a sounding board for all ideas. And and there's really a a trust level that everybody seems to to be willing to share whatever's going on in their life that, that they need help with. And ultimately, that's, you know, that it's helping us do better at our job if we're doing better in life. So I appreciate it for that. And thank you. Thank you for you know bringing me in. It's been my pleasure. Uh, I've been a member of a mastermind group for a long, long time. And I always wondered if that concept would work in the water treatment industry and your proof that it's more than working. Thank you. So we mentioned we talk about personal issues, but we also talk about some technical issues as well. And you had a pretty interesting technical issue happened to you not too terribly long ago. Do you want to read the Scaling Up Nation in on that one? Yeah, I'd be glad to. So I recently picked up a new customer. Uh, I was pretty excited. My role within Capital Technologies is you know, business development, you know, service and sales manager. So picking up new customers is a good, you know, that, that's my primary function. And so I picked up this new customer. It was a, a local college. Uh, they had systems you know, wide variety of systems. They had steam boilers, cooling towers, closed loops. It was actually my first service visit there. I was going through my routine of, you know, inspecting the the new equipment that I was tasked with and, you know, getting some baseline testing done and uh, actually collecting some samples to be tested for Legionella out of the cooling systems. And um, the first couple towers looked like uh there was a little bit of algae growth, but they look they looked like they were in pretty good condition. And then I get to the third building with a cooling tower, and you know I go up to the roof, and these towers were just totally overrun with algae. And of course they're up on you know up on a pedestal there, and I, I climb up and I look into the basin, and yeah, there's a lot of algae, but there was also this really vibrant purple color along the the basin right at the bottom of uh, where the fill comes down and like a bright purple, kind of like a, an iris, I guess, if I was trying to give a, you know, some, a visual to, to the people out there. And actually, actually last week during um, Industrial Water Week on Cooling Wednesday, I, I shared pictures on my LinkedIn page of, of this purple growth or deposit or whatever it was in, in these towers, uh, just so everybody could kind of enjoy in some, some cooling mystery that day. 
So anyways, I, I mean, I really had no clue what I was seeing. I'd never seen something purple in a cooling tower before. I wiped my hand along, you know, where, where this deposit was and, and it kind of sloughed off and ends up floating in the water a little bit and then resettling next to it. A little bit of a slimy feeling to it, but, but really, I guess I, I did place my finger on it, but I couldn't place my finger on what this could possibly be. And, and actually looking around at like all the algae in the cooling tower, I didn't even know if that was like my highest priority there either. Like there was definitely some other things going on that I needed to focus some attention on, but but this really just kind of piqued my curiosity and I needed to find out what it was. So water treatment triage. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I, I collected a sample, you know, of what I could of of this purple deposit. I ran a few tests on the on the water, just kind of standard cooling tower testing. Um, I did notice that like my pH was a little bit low in that area compared to other areas of the system, but but I don't know if that was leading me to an answer just yet. Well, let me ask Adam, when you were thinking about what to do next, before you got there, did you get excited that you had a problem to troubleshoot? I definitely did. Um, I mean, that's part of like one of the cool things about our job too is, you know, we run into things that are are mysteries or or new to us. And uh, this was definitely one of those times. And I wasn't quite sure how deep of a dig I was going to go to figure out what it was, but uh, I I, I knew that there was some answers to be had. When I think about that, you know, I think of days when I was servicing and I loved issues like you described because, oh, that's a mystery. We now get to solve a mystery. But then at the same time, too, I think, oh, darn, it's going to take me longer and I've got so much to do during the day. I really don't have time to troubleshoot. How do we get over that? So, I mean, in this instance, since it was my very first visit at this client location, I had the whole day kind of blocked off to investigate whatever I needed to. I didn't know what I was going to be running into. Um, so I really wasn't feeling the pressure of that time constraint, but I, there's been other times where, yeah, it's tough to, tough to throw that wrinkle into the mix of a day that you just have loaded with other things to do. Luckily, this wasn't one of those times. Well, that's good advice. So when we're starting up a new account, we should schedule a lot longer than a normal visit to make sure that we not only set it up properly, but we understand everything that we just took responsibility for. Yeah, I guess in hindsight, maybe maybe it would have made more sense for me to do a better job during my surveying process and kind of see some of those things even before I got to the point of completing a service visit. But that's hindsight, so... <laughs> Well, that's what we learned from. Right. So you're excited. You found something that you're going to get to the bottom to. What was your series of execution to try to figure out what the root cause was? Um, good question. So kind of step one for me was you know, digging through my own memory banks of, all right, what, what do I run into on a routine basis that, you know, in water treatment that, that has a purple color to it? Like I'm, I'm just going off the visual purple. I thought of some tests like a hardness test and um, you know a bromine test or organophosphate. I'm just kind of going through my test kit of looking like what what's going to give me a reaction here that gets, that I see purple and I ran tests around those kind of ideas, but nothing seemed out of place there. I guess then I went to like, well, what are some other purple reactions that I know of? And I was drawing a blank. So at that point, you know, reaching out to other people. I mean, there's a lot of people smarter than me. That, that might have had more experiences. So I, I started to kind of 
toss my net out there and see who could, um, if anybody else had run into something like this. And, and quite honestly, I started with the guys at the, at the facility. I, I sent out a group text to all the contacts that I'd been introduced to throughout my time of trying to win this business. And um, I guess as a new customer, I was expecting some kind of response, but I really got none from them. So, you know, I'm still kind of grasping at straws. And, and I decided I'd, I'd reach out to, to my team. And I know that some people, you know, within CTI have been there longer and some have not been. So, uh, but, but everybody's got a different, different experiences and have seen different things. So I wanted to give that to my team where they could kind of see what was going on and, and let them know that some of those guys look up to me to have answers, but I wanted them to know that I don't have all the answers. So uh, when you don't know, it's, it's always a good idea to ask. I guess we hear that all the time. You know, if you, if you don't know the answer, ask and find out. And that's, you know, a good approach to, you know, when a customer asks you something and you don't know, you should, you should ask. So I wanted to put that out there to my guys that it's okay to ask too. Actually, you know, my boss, Joel, he came back with a couple other ideas. I mean, we talked about like potassium permanganate has, has some purple, you know, reaction to it and maybe some different oils or greases could be in the system. So, so there was some, some ideas that came from that, I guess, as we already alluded to, like the mastermind group. We have like a, a group chat that goes on and I, I sent the same pictures out to those guys and, you know, it was kind of the same thing. A couple ideas came up like, oh, maybe, maybe it's paint or, you know, one guy had mentioned that he had seen a, a purple reaction when he overfed some inhibitor. So that gave me a couple other ideas to kind of explore, but I don't know if any of that was the answer yet. So I, I continued to cast my net, I guess, and um, reached out to some former and uh, current mentors of mine. And I guess this is my opportunity to really give a, a shout out and, and some kudos to, to one guy in particular that was, I think he shared in my curiosity more than anyone else and kind of helped push me further towards getting an answer. Um, that guy's Dave Ritz of Proasis. A lot of the Scaling Up Nation may know him from, he does some wastewater uh, treatment training through the AWT. Does a great job there. He does, but but his his knowledge extends throughout the entire water treatment industry. He's he's really a great guy. He's been a technical resource for me through my entire career. I don't know if I've ever told him that I consider him a mentor, but like if he's listening today, uh, Dave, you are one of my mentors, and he's a good friend. Anyhow, he really pushed me towards you know, through a series of texts, and like you know, I shared the, I shared some of my pictures with him and some of my ideas, and and um, we kind of worked worked through some things texting back and forth. I think it ended up being like throughout the entire course of a weekend, just different ideas on, well, could it be something microbial or um, he actually suggested some kind of reaction with acid. And uh, we fell back on the old reliable Google machine. What did we do before Google in the water treatment industry? I don't know, but it, it, it definitely shed some light on this one for me too. And, and like I said, that, that was with, with Dave kind of pushing me along the way there too. So we found that there's actually a, a specific acid reaction that gives a very similar purple color to what I was seeing. It's a reaction between copper and cyanuric acid, seen a lot in swimming pools. And actually, if you look on Google Images for purple chemical reaction swimming pool, like there's a, a lot of really cool images of, of purple swimming pools. That I don't think they're intended to be that way, but they end up being that way. Well, that would make sense because the cyanuric acid is used as a stabilizer for the chlorine. 
Yeah, exactly. So some copper reacting with that, that stabilizer is, is exactly what we were seeing. At least that's what I was reading about. So then I couldn't figure out exactly where that cyanuric acid would, would come to play in, in this cooling tower system. And I don't know, maybe a lot of the listeners know, maybe you know, but at the time I did not, but I learned through this process that uh, in a lot of our stabilized bromine products, that's what the stabilizer is. It's cyanuric acid. So I guess that was like, you know, my, my biggest, my biggest lead in the case here. So I decided to, well, you know, there, here's a couple things that I didn't test for before that I should test for now, copper. And is there a way to test for cyanuric acid? I wasn't quite sure about that either. So, you know, I talked to you know our, our reagent supplier and, you know, there was some tests for cyanuric acid. I actually ended up just going to my, my local pool store. Adam, it used to be a turbidity test and, and you, you had like a little bullseye that you would put in a flask and you would you would just keep lowering it until you couldn't see the bullseye anymore. Is that still the cyanuric acid test? It's just on a strip. It's like the catch-all strip with like four or five different like color splotches and, and everything ends up like you, know, you hold it up to the back of the bottle and it tells you what's in there. Well, that sounds a lot easier than what I just described. Uh, yeah, maybe. I think that'll be my retirement gig too is uh, pool boy. <laughs> I'd work out full boy, and I'll just run that that testing. My test kit will consist of one little jar and strips. So anyhow, like, so I, I have all these all this data that I'm collecting, and I, I guess I wanted to verify on site if if that's what I was actually seeing. So I scheduled another another service visit to this client, and when I got there, I was greeted by a couple of the maintenance guys that I didn't get a response from when I had asked previously, and they were actually holding a jug of a product from New Calgon called Season Start. And very clearly on the label, it said, if this product is not in a sufficient dose, then there will be a purple color visible. I guess it turned out to be a pretty anticlimactic answer to what I was looking for, but uh, it was kind of a cool process to get there. Um, And they had mentioned like, oh, we usually put this in at the start of every season. It helps clean something they didn't know what clean something and i don't know we just we were told to put it in at one point and that's what we do and we just didn't tell you and we were late in getting it in this season so it must be what you were seeing anyhow that product is basically sulfamic acid you know designed to clean scale in the beginning of the season so i guess i had kind of gotten to my answer (laughs) (laughs) Um, i did take it a little bit further afterwards too i mean we had some so, so since the product had sulfamic acid in it, I, we had some of that back at our office. I took a small sample of that, played plumber a little bit, and had some copper sitting around my house. So I you know, set up my, my science experiment in, in a jar in you know, my garage with uh, you know, some sulfamic acid in a jar with some copper and uh, let it sit there for a couple of days. I don't know that I got the same vibrant purple color, but I got a, there, there was some purple going on. And so I, I, I think that's... It's kind of the reaction that that whatever product they were using was providing. You know, I'm forgetting all my different color indicators, but I want to say that's bromal cresyl purple. Does that sound right? What they put in sulfamic acid? Honestly, I don't know. I'm just learning that right now, too. <laughs> all right. Scale up Nation, if you know what it is, you can write into us. And um, that's what I'm thinking. I, I can't remember all the different color indicators, but I'm thinking that's what it is. So now, with all that information, what do you do? Well, at that point, like the, the system was already up and running. And on that subsequent visit, there was still a little bit of that purple in, but definitely not as much as was there previously. 
I was in the process of doing a heavy duty cleaning to try to get rid of some of this algae too. So that purple went away during my cleaning process as well. It sounds very nice. You have some green, you've got some purple. It's, uh, uh, I, I, I did dub these cooling towers my Incredible Hulk towers for, for a time <laughs> being. I love this story because, you know, most people are just like, I don't know what it is, and they walk away. But you and, and many other people are like, oh, wow, this is my opportunity to learn something. Yeah, and, and you know what? I guess when I, when I go back and think about it, there was a, there was a previous experience that I had at another client, I mean, it was a plastic extrusion plant. And I got a call on a Sunday where the the operator had said, hey, we have one of our process systems here is turned totally red. Now, I didn't really want to investigate that on a, on a Sunday, but it, it was definitely afternoon because I had to put down my my Sunday afternoon beverage. And, and I head out to this this plant and I, and I look in this system and sure enough, the, the entire water system's red. And they were concerned, like, it's going to stay in our product. What should we do with this? Where did it come from? And they were left to believe that it was one of the workers there did not want to finish out their shift. So they had put some pool dye or some kind of red dye into the system. And so I, I, I guess at that point, I just went along with their theory, like, okay, that, that must be what's happening here. And then a couple of weeks later, when I went back for my routine visit there, I ended up at, the, at a different end of the plant, and there was a, a drum of kerosene with a red puddle on the ground next to it. It had some kind of red dye in the kerosene, which maybe that's a regular thing, but it sat right next to a trough that led back into this system. So somehow, like there, I, I came to a, a, an answer of like what happened that day, but it took me a couple of weeks. Like I, I wasn't as interested when I was there because they told me what they thought the answer was, and I kind of went along with it. I don't know if I didn't have that experience of like discovering what that mystery was, if I would have pushed as much into, you know, this purple mystery as I did, but it was definitely something I learned from. And, you know, like if I see something that doesn't look right, I should really get to an answer of that. I think it's a great lesson for everybody. I'm reminded of a story. We were doing some work with the company that developed the phosphonium biocide. And at the time, they gave it to us as a 50% blend because of what I'm getting ready to share. They now sell it in a 5% blend. But we had pumped it through just regular plastic head pumps. And we got there the next day, and it looked like somebody had taken a bat and just destroyed this pump. And the funny thing was the day before a guy got let go, the engineer got let go and he was very disgruntled. So we thought maybe he took his aggression out on one of our pumps. Well, no, it wasn't that it was uh, a, a compatibility issue and, uh, and the high concentration of that product. But I remember we were like, what the heck is going on here? And then you, your mind goes to the most simplest thing. And what's that called? Uh, Occam's razor, the most simplistic reason or explanation is normally the the right one and i think the example they give is when you hear hoof prints think horses not zebras so you start out there we were thinking we had a disgruntled guy but no it was this biocide that we were feeding and they didn't know to tell us that it wasn't compatible so we found that out for them <laughs> sounds like an interesting tale in itself so what did your customer think about all this extra work that you did for them I don't know that they appreciated it quite as much as I did or or kind of the people that I brought in and and involved in in my my research process here. They're more thankful, like I said, there 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 was higher priorities there. They were more grateful and thankful for me to 
work on cleaning the cooling tower up in general. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that they totally appreciated all the extra work that went into that. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because you, you are very happy about the process and what you've learned and what you can now share with all the people listening. I can think of a lot of people that will say, Mr. Customer, Mrs. Customer, I've done all this work. Aren't I great? Don't you appreciate me? And uh, you didn't get that, but you still think it's, it's, it's a high note. It's, it's something that you learned. So how do you make that shift? Because I know there's so many people out there that just get their validation off of what the customer recognizes them for. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're telling me I should go back and ask them for some more uh, appreciation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I don't know that I, I needed that validation. That's a tough question. I, I, I don't know. All right. Well, I think it's a good mindset. And I, th- I think you, you became a better water treater throughout the process. And maybe that was a big enough reward. Maybe we need to focus on us being better, us learning more instead of just being recognized more. I don't know. I think there's something there. I think you know the answer. You just haven't come up with the words yet. But I, I think the Scaling Up Nation needs to hear it. So make us the promise when you figure out what it is, you'll share it with us. I will. Maybe it's growth. I mean, maybe that's ultimately what we're looking for is is an ability to grow your own knowledge and grow to the knowledge around you know the, those people that are around you. And and I, I definitely felt the reward in, in that. So maybe you led me to an answer there. That's <laughs> probably the right answer. <laughs> we, we help each other. That's what we do. Sure. Um, well, with I really think there's something there because I can think of uh, you know we talk a lot about the the temperaments on this podcast and there are several episodes out there that uh, we've interviewed the author of uh, I said this you heard that and one of my big needs is appreciation so maybe that's just what I need maybe uh, maybe in your temperament that's not that's not something that you focus on and, and maybe I just need to learn how to get over it. That sounds about right. I, I think I think maybe in my temperament, I would be looking for peace and calm, and maybe like just having extra knowledge as to what was going on gave me that you know peace of mind, so to speak. That okay, I, I know it's not a disaster, and we can move on. So you've been in the water treatment industry for quite a while, and you are very good at finding new business. What's your process for that? A lot of my new business comes from referral work. I think I think everybody will kind of agree that that's probably the most successful and easiest way to bring on new business. So I know as a company, we've kind of pride ourselves on doing good work. And that leads to people saying good things about what you do and leads to some business opportunities. We do a lot of work with mechanical contractors that provides referrals. As far as finding like cold calls, I mean, there is early in my career where I felt like the company was giving me this great opportunity to do really to do good work. Um, and it was paying me well to do so that what way could I give back to the company? And that was to go and knock on doors and try to find more business. And sure, that's a way for me to help customers, but it was a way for me to help the company too. So I, I definitely took the mindset of finding new business as my way to give back to the people that are employing me. And I still carry that on. So like I, I've, I've knocked on plenty of doors. I've you know picked up the phone and, and called a lot of places. I did do some sales training a few years ago, and, and that really helped to get me in the mindset that you know I'm not necessarily focused on being a sales person, but I'm looking for a, an opportunity to help somebody that 
has a problem and I could have solutions too. And finding that mutual benefit of, okay, I'm going to do a job for you and I'm going to get paid for it. So we're both winning. So that win-win mentality is definitely how I approach it. And I think that makes people get nervous about making a phone call or, or walking into a new place and just asking to speak to somebody to, you know, to kind of lead them to some water treatment business. And that, that mindset of win-win has, has allowed me to get over that and, and really just look for a win. Yeah, it's a great mindset to have. How have things changed with how you go after new business since the pandemic? So I know I'm not alone in thinking this, but there, were, there was definitely a, a hiatus on being able to walk into a new place or people that were willing to, to even speak to you throughout the, you know, the early stages of the pandemic. What that time period did for me, I mean, I'm just going to speak on my, my own case. I, I don't know if, who else this applies to, but it gave me a, an opportunity to um, kind of work on my messaging um, and even though I'm not, I wasn't able to go out and talk to people as much, I was able to work on what I wanted to say and build up my knowledge in other areas and kind of get, establish a better plan of like who I want, what, what's the right kind of business and who do I want to be out there talking to? And so as you know, restrictions lifted and we were allowed to, you know, kind of open that, that chain of communication back up with some folks. I think I was better prepared for that. I think, you know, I'm better prepared to talk to a, a potential new customer now than I was three years ago. Adam, what would you say your biggest water treatment success has been? The most successful thing that I've had occur in my, in my water treatment career is, I guess, kind of twofold. Number one, exactly what we just talked about is, you know, kind of developing the ability to talk to new customers and, and go after that. Um, I guess I... I'm inherently an introvert, and I've definitely grown into being able to break out from that introverted nature. And you know, the other part of that is, you know, within our company, I think my success within our company has come from, and I think this might come from being the office manager for for a time period there. But I got a different perspective as to you know, kind of how our business worked at that time. So. Once I started doing service, I, I was able to implement a lot of processes and standard operating procedures that didn't exist before. Um, we had a lot of customers that were just kind of pay-as-you-go, but also service-as-you-go, and not a lot of routine to it. And I definitely saw that there were things falling through the cracks. I was able to convert most of those customers to contract agreements. And you know, for my company, I think that's my, my biggest contribution to the company is you know, things don't fall through the cracks anymore. We've, we've been able to shift everything where we give a unified message out there. Everything has, you know, procedures to it. So I don't know if that's necessarily water treatment success story, but that's a, a business success stories that I'd like to share. Well, when it comes right down to it, water treatment companies are companies and we have to run on those best practices or we're not best practice run companies. All right, I don't do this often, but I'm going to open the mic up to you. So this is a boiling point question. So what are people in the water treatment industry doing that you just want them to stop? I would like for people to stop not looking at systems that they're in charge of taking care of, which is really what this whole story comes down to that I just told was, you know, I, I didn't have to climb on that roof and I didn't have to look in that cooling tower. 
and I didn't have to try to find out what was going on. So I guess I know that there was an incumbent water treater at that location that probably didn't look at those things. And man, I wish they would have. I wouldn't have had so much cleaning work to do if uh, if somebody else was looking at that. So, you know, I, I know that that exists out there, that people aren't paying enough attention to the equipment that we're supposed to be taken care of. Well, at the same time, you got that business probably because of that reason. Yeah, maybe so. So scratch that. Go back to not paying attention. To it. <laughs> Adam, if there was just one thing you can leave with our audience today, what do you want that to be? So this is not a water treatment related thing that I wanted to talk about, but more of a public service announcement. And that's for people to take care of their mental health. Over the last year, I've had some encounters with people really struggling with mental health. And there's many resources out there, in-person therapists, video therapists, televisits with therapists, support hotlines for people. And one in particular that I want to kind of just toss out there as a reminder, the National Suicide and Crisis Hotline, dial 988 on your phone. And they're there to help people you know, that might be struggling mentally or are around people struggling mentally. Just something that I, I wasn't aware of in a year ago at this time. That wouldn't be the message I wanted to put out right now, but, but right now it is. And I wish I would have known about it earlier. So hopefully some other folks could benefit from that knowledge. Well, Adam, thank you very much for sharing that. That's something we don't talk about enough. And I really appreciate you. And I know the Scaling Up Nation appreciates you for just allowing us to think about that. There, there might be somebody out there that's going through that. There might be somebody we know that's going through something. A lot of times we feel helpless to help those around us or even ourselves. So thank you for mentioning those resources. And we'll make sure to put those on our show notes page as well. Great. I appreciate that. Well, now let's go ahead and transition and go into some lightning round questions. So you've heard these questions hundreds of times. Now you're in the hot seat. Are you ready? I was born ready. Here we go. So the first question, if you can go back in time and talk to your former self on your first day as an industrial water treater, what advice would you give? I would tell myself that I'm going to stick with this. You know, I, I walked into a, a family-run business where I saw a definite ceiling to where I could go. And I've far surpassed that ceiling at this point. And so, yeah, it was, I wasn't quite sure if I was going to stick around because I, I didn't know how far I could take it. And now that I, now that I know that there's, there's opportunity out there, like I would definitely want to encourage my, my earlier version of myself that, yeah, stick around in this and, and you're going to have a good time. What are the last few books that you've read? So in the mastermind, we, Recently completed, this is day one by uh, Drew Dudley. You've had him on a few times. And he was the keynote speaker for the AWT convention in Vancouver just a few weeks ago. Very awesome of him to do. The synopsis of that is like, you get to treat every day like it's your first day. And everybody has like this excitement and nervousness and, uh, and just energy on that first day. And to like approach every day like with that same kind of energies is, is really the, the kind of story of that, that book. I also recently read, and by read, I, an audio book, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel A. Van der Kolk. And that, that book's kind of about those that have experienced trauma throughout their lives and how it emotionally and physically takes a toll on them. Just really a great insight into kind of what some, some people go through on a daily basis and, and how they process that. It was a, 
very helpful for me to kind of dig into that book. I guess the, the last book that I actually turned pages in, and it was just for fun, but uh, The Walking Dead uh, Invasion by Jay bon, Bonsigna. I think I got that name right. Um, There's just some fun reads about some zombies. They filmed that here in Atlanta, so we always have fun things going on in the city. <laughs> uh, that would be a good time. Adam, let me ask. There are a lot of people out there that might hear me talking about Audible, or maybe they feel like they just don't have time to read. Tell us about Audible. Tell us about how, you know, is it an easy transition to go from reading books to listening to somebody read books? For me, it's great. I mean, part of our job, we spend so much time behind the wheel, and sure, it's great to to really rock out to some tunes, but, you know, it's also an opportunity to, to just learn and I guess for me, I, I enjoy that learning aspect enough that uh, there's a good mix of, of some punk rock and, and some self-help kind of books and, and business help kind of books that I can all mix in there. Very eclectic. <laughs> Next question. When somebody makes a movie about your life, who plays Adam? I'm going to reach out to Kanye and see if he can do it. <laughs> I'm sure he's got plenty of time. I'm sure he's going to take that on. I mean, there's times where like he's recognized as doing some like really remarkable things out there, but a lot of times you just got to think that that dude is messed up. Um, <laughs> that, that seems fitting. Yeah, maybe he'll run for president again. You never know. All right, my final question. You now have the ability to speak with anybody throughout history. Who would it be with and why? So I'm going to answer this a little bit differently. I've, I'm somebody that likes to look forward. So my DeLorean also travels into the future. Okay. Um, I'm not going to talk to somebody historic, but I'm going to go into the future and talk to future versions of my kids. I think that would be really awesome to kind of talk to them about how their lives have, have gone and how they've been successful. Well, I give you points. No one has ever answered the question that way. And uh, what a cool way to answer the question. Of all the times of listening to lightning round questions, I think we all sit in our, our truck or wherever we're listening to, to the, the, the podcast at and, and probably try to answer some of these questions on our own. That's, that's the one I've had an answer to from the first time I heard it. There we go. There we go. It's a great answer. Adam, I appreciate you reaching out to us and wanting to share your story with us. I appreciate you bringing us uh, some extra awareness to making sure that us ourselves are taking care of our mental health and those around me, or around us, rather. I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast, and thank you for being a listener since we started. Yeah, thank you. I mean, this is definitely an honor and a privilege, and I appreciate the opportunity. Glad to be a part. Thanks, Scaling Up Nation. Nation, Adam is one of the nicest guys I know. He's one of those guys that will do anything for anybody. And if you're at an AWT conference and you have an opportunity to meet him, I would definitely recommend that you go and shake his hand and introduce yourself to him. So Adam, thanks for coming on the show and, and sharing your enthusiasm about how fun it is to run into something that you don't know what's going on. And I really meant it when there are times when you feel like you just don't have time to learn something new. You're so busy in the day-to-day. -day. And I want to warn you about that because there's always going to be stuff that you're going to have to do. 
If you neglect the things that make this job fun, then you're going to get burned out. And when you're burned out, this job is anything but fun. And I love where Adam said he made time to learn more about this specific account. So he already had the built-in freedom to think about what was going on, to kind of dream about what it could be instead of having to get something done as quickly as possible to get to the next task. So I think that's a huge lesson that we can all learn. Let's schedule a little bit more time in our day to learn about the things that we don't know and figure out how we can make each individual account better. So here's what Adam said his procedure was. First, he stated the problem. What is it that he was trying to solve? And then he came up with all different possible solutions to what could be going on. And then he involved other people in that discussion to give him information that he didn't have and direct him in places that he could get more information. Then Adam began to test what he thought the issue was. And then after testing many different issues, he found out exactly what it was, and then he documented what he did. So you've heard on this podcast before, if you don't write things down in service reports, it does not happen. Now, of course, nothing was wrong. This was all exploratory. But again, document those things so you can get credit for them. And if there's ever anything you need to reference in the future, you have that there ready for you. So again, Adam, thank you for that. And I say on this podcast every episode almost that I need your help with ideas of what I should be talking about next. And Adam has just done a great job of peppering us with different questions to ask and possible show ideas. So Adam, thank you for keeping the Scaling Up H2L podcast going. To all the other people out there that are doing that, thank you for doing that. By the way, if you want to hear the episode where Adam asked a question about boiler surging, and then I created an entire episode around it. It's episode 110, and that episode would not be in existence if Adam did not call in and record his voice. Now, how did he do that? He went to the Scaling Up H2O website, and then on the right-hand side, there's a little pop-up that says record voicemail, and on whatever device you're on, you just record your question. And a lot of times we will play that on the air and start the show off with your question. So again, scalinguph2o.com. Folks, we need your questions. We need to know who you want us to interview. We've got a decent list, but it will run out. So we need your help to help us populate that so we can keep this podcast on the air for years and years and years to come. Something else Adam and I mentioned was the Kathleen Edelman book, I Said This, You Heard That. If you have not listened to those episodes, I did kind of a part one and part two. They were about a year or so apart. Episode 117, Kathleen tells us all about what I Said This, You Heard That is about. And we learn the 101 version of The Temperaments. And then on episode 179, Kathleen came back and she told us more of a higher level of what was going on. And that gave us the opportunity to ask her some more questions about how to use this. 
And of course, Kathleen came on just recently for World Kindness Day on November 13th. And Kathleen's episode, that episode was 281. So we've had Kathleen on quite a bit. She has been definitely one of the biggest influences in my life. She's allowed me to understand how I see things isn't necessarily how other people see things. And there's nothing wrong with that. But realizing that you use different words so people can understand what you're trying to say better. And folks, let me tell you before, Kathleen, I never chose the right word. She has helped every relationship in my life. And uh, I highly recommend if you have not listened to those episodes or read her book that you do that. Speaking of books, she came out with a children's book. Now I say children's book, but if you listen to episode 281, you hear that she corrects me. I asked her, why didn't you write a book for adults? Because the first book she had was more of a workbook. This is her first book that came out. And she goes, well, Trace, I did. I wrote it for everybody. I figure that every adult was a child once. And you know what? She was right. And there's just something about learning about children that allows you to learn better about yourself and how to interact with other adults. She knew what she was doing, and she told me about it on episode 281. And that book is called A Grown-Up's Guide to Kids Wiring, and it is chocked full with everything that Kathleen has been teaching me. The first couple of chapters is how you figure out which temperament a child is. By the way, that works for everybody that you're talking with. And then the last chapters are specifically how to work with each specific temperament, what you need to know about yourself and your temperament, but then also how to work with others in their temperament. Can't recommend that enough. Adam mentioned during the interview that he reads a lot via Audible. Audible is a service where most book titles can be found and actors will, will read the books to you, and you're able to read while you're driving from account to account. And I tell you, this is how I've gotten back my ability to read, because I am always driving somewhere, and this allows me, when I'm not listening to the Scaling Up H2O podcast, to listen to a book. And a lot of times, they will even provide resources that you can download. So a lot of people say, I really like to be able to see the graphs and things that they're referring to on the book. More often than not, Audible will give you a link that you can download all those materials so you're not in the dark as people are talking about them. I'm a huge fan of Audible, and at this recent Association of Water Technologies conference, I had at least a dozen people talk to me, thanking me for letting them know about Audible because now they're able to read again too. So if you want to check out Audible, I can get you a free month and a free book by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash Audible. And maybe you can read Drew Dudley's new book, This Is Day One, like Adam was talking about, or you can choose whichever one that you like. Now, I will tell you, it took me a little while to get used to that format where somebody was reading to me. And whenever I switch books and there's another reader, another narrator on the book, it always takes me just a little bit to get used to that, but it's not long. And then I'm able to listen to the book. In fact, normally I can ramp the book speed up 
to about 20% higher. Some readers, I can do 50% higher and I'm still able to retain the content. But if I go much higher than that, I can't retain the content. And I just wanna warn you that just hearing somebody speak isn't the same as getting the knowledge when somebody is speaking. So there's definitely a top limit to that. I urge you to find yours, but some people don't know that you can change the speed. Speaking of that, at the Rising Tide Mastermind live event this past year, one of the members, Bob Lee, was saying how you can make anybody seem drunk by playing them at half speed. Well, who has a podcast they could play at half speed? So everybody had fun with uh, half speed Trace Blackmore on Scaling Up H2O, and it sounded like I had a few too many beverages. So thank you, Bob Lee of R2J. You, of course, shared that with the entire mastermind. And for some reason, I'm sharing that with the rest of the Scaling Up H2O Nation. So it's all in good fun, right? Well, Nation, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope you've got some thoughts about what you want to hear in the new year so we can start planning our schedule. And if there is ever anything that you can do for somebody else around helping them through mental health, as Adam mentioned, you know, that's a tall order. And a lot of times we don't feel comfortable talking about that. There are a lot of resources out there, and we're going to make sure we have some of those resources on our show notes page. It's a topic we just do not talk about enough. A lot of times we're embarrassed to talk about it. Well, Nation, let me tell you, it is real, and I'm willing to bet that most of us have had some sort of an experience with that, if not ourselves. So it's something we need to take seriously. Our job is to help each other go through life and build each other up according to their needs. So I'm asking you, when you see somebody that's in need of some help, you figure out a way that you can offer that help. And again, we'll have some resources on our show notes page. Folks, I love bringing this podcast to you and we'll have a brand new episode for you next Friday of Scaling Up H2O. Nation, where do you want to go? What is the next step for you and how are you going to get there? Those are tough questions and they're even tougher when you're trying to answer them on your own. That's why I've created the Rising Tide Mastermind because you don't have to be on your own anymore. We all take value in you reaching your next level to success and we will help you get there. Go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to find out more.